Mental Health Warriors, I want to thank you for tuning in. I have a great show this week. I have uh, Anthony, who uh, is is a great jujitsu fighter. He has a dojo there in Illinois. Uh, I follow him on Instagram. We'll show his Instagram page up so you can follow him. Sickness was a sickness 81. Sickness 81. Sickness 81. Uh, and he, he's got some great videos out there. And I tell you what, he is doing great things in Illinois, uh, not only with his jujitsu, and he's got a great story as a veteran and a two time deployer Marine. Um, but he's really giving back to his community. And that's really why I asked him to come on. And, and you're going to hear his story and be so humbled about it. Um, but yeah, when you get a chance, go out to veteranstrashtalk.com. Look at all of our shows and podcasts we have out there, along with Mental Health Warrior. We have a lot of other ones. Uh, we also have a shop out there where you can get great T-shirts. You can get your, your Veteran Trash Talk Mental Health Warrior T-shirt. I say it all the time. It's a T-shirt that could save a life. Because if you look at the back of it, um, I have the crisis number and you never know when you walk by somebody, uh, they might be having an issue of problem and, and don't know to text that number because anybody can call and it's free to, to get help. So with that, we're going to jump right into the conversation with Anthony. So you touched on it a lot of kids and uh, girls for self-defense for one. Um, that's huge for for many reasons, obviously, because a lot of, you know, bad people out there prey on the weak. Yeah. You know, they're going to see me maybe with tattoos. They'll see my hair, cauliflower, if they even know what that is. You know what I mean, though? But if they see me and they see uh, a girl that weighs 110 pounds, they're going to go try to rob yeah. the girl. Yeah. Um, and... I treat the girls just like I treat the guys at my place. Uh, I treat them just as hard uh, as I do the guys. They got they train super hard um, because if you need it on the streets, I know we MMA fight. I know we do jujitsu and compete, but it's all about what happens on the streets. Yeah. Um, and I was never about starting fights. I never would start fights. Yeah. Uh, and I never want to use this in the streets either. I still haven't just because I know, you know, you can do some damage to people. Yeah. yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I, I don't want to, unless I need it to protect myself from my, anybody, my friends, my family, then, you know, obviously. Um, but people, you know, they have guns. All, everyone has guns. Uh all over the place and you got knives you gotta know how to defend yourself against all of that uh kids they get bullied like crazy mm -hmm. um and it's worse now with social media obviously i didn't have that when i was in in school and i got picked on enough because i was small yeah so you know it was rough um yeah, but I, I wrestled 98 pounds in high school, and then the yeah, head is 119. Of course, I'm 180 now, but <laughs> I still work out, but it happens. Uh, oh, yeah. No, I was 117 in high school, and now I, I still cut down to 135 pounds <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> if I have to compete. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it's huge for all that, and it's tough. The thing that's very tough is is being a, for like an academy owner is seeing people that don't give it a chance. Yeah, you know they'll they'll train for a month, they'll be so excited, and then that's when it takes a lot of determination to show up in class. Yeah, because everyone would want to after work. You want to go home. You want to sleep. You want to eat. You want to do this. You don't want to do jujitsu. Right. 
Right. But then when you walk in the door, your life's just so much different. And we say it all the time, like, oh, I'm so happy I showed up, blah, blah, blah. And, and that's what's the hard part about martial arts, you know, showing up all the time and, and adding it to your daily, weekly routine, regardless how important your life is. Yeah. Um, you know, everybody has a busy life for the most part. Um, and so it, it hurts me, especially when I know people need it, especially with the mental health. Yeah. Um, being a veteran, yes, uh, I served in 2003 uh, to 07. I went to Iraq in 05 and 06. Uh, we went to Fallujah. We went to Ramadi. He left right before I came in. My brother was in Iraq at that time, and then he left, and I went in 06 to 08. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah. 06 was my last time there. Um, so you, it was rough. That was a mess back then. It was, 05 was uh, the Battle of Fallujah. And we went there right as it was ending. And we were, I was in Fallujah for seven months then. We had a patrol. It was a mess. Yeah. It was crazy. Um, So then, you know, I deployed for seven months. Somehow made it out of there, came back home for like three months, did some training, and then we went right back. Yeah. So it just, it sucked. I mean, we, they didn't give us um, time to transition over. We didn't know what was going on. Our minds were so set on wartime. We didn't know what the hell was going on. Yeah. Um, and it took me years after my second deployment to understand what <laughs> You know how damaging it actually what it did to me. Yeah, with knowing it because you know they, especially Marines, they teach us to keep everything in in a way. You know, not to show weakness, not to go say you need to talk to a therapist or you know, it's just you're you're supposed to be a a machine, yeah. and you go in there and you know that's it, and you kind of have to be, yeah. You know, and and that's fine, but the transitioning after was very difficult. You know, that's you know, you know, of course, I'm a veteran. I'm a suicide survivor. Um, you know, yeah. you know, I understand. Um, of course, my my attempt and my issues were over because I was at Pentagon 9/11. Um, yeah. You know, and and dealing with that, and then of course deploying. Um, but it, it it is tough and it is hard because we're so mission focused, mission, 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 mission. Well, when you no longer have that mission and you're back home, h- how do you deal with that? And so many, so many veterans like yourself and myself and others, and that's why Veterans Trash Talk exists. And, and that's why I have my podcast is they don't have that outlet or they don't know to go and talk to somebody. They don't. And so a lot of times they don't understand what they're going through. Right. And so you don't understand why you're angry all the time or you don't understand why you can't sleep or why this noise bothers you or why this fucking thing drives you crazy. And it's 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 hard to fit those those pieces together. And that's why we're having such a hard time with with so many suicides in the veteran community, um, you know, and, and you came back, uh, you know, from what, two deployments. And then I don't know how how much longer were you in the Marines after you. you uh, one year and they tried sending me back for a third time to try to sneak me in for like four or five months. And I was like, what, guys, I can't. Yeah, I'm like, my mind is not OK. The second deployment is when I got blown up and, you know, I lost some friends. Like, it was bad. 
like Fallujah was bad enough, like to get out of their life. But the second time it shouldn't have been that bad. It was stupid where we were at. And that was the time we still, we a lot of bad shit happened that deployment. Um, And that was the second time. So like you said, you know, I get out, I got a year left. I I got to teach people how to drive Humvees Mm -hmm. for a year. And then that was it. Moved back home to Illinois. Got a job at a cable company for eight years, and I did not get any help. And it was tough to do my job um, until I couldn't take it anymore. I just like snapped. I just, I, you know, bad paths. You just didn't know. I had no idea about PTSD until like three years later. Have you have you done any of your VA stuff? Yes. So I'm I'm a hundred percent. Disabled. Disabled. Um, I, they, for the first time, they gave me like 10%, 20%, 30%, and then they stopped. And then it was a 12 year battle every year. Um, Because I knew I wasn't okay. I don't like asking for stuff, but um, the therapist at the time was like, you got a lot of PTSD and you don't even, you don't even know. I was like, no, I don't. I'm fine. You know, it's yeah. fine to be angry and not sleep. And, you know, I still am on the, the hours that I'm on in the military. I still stay awake and get wide awake at night. And then the day is kind of like, um, you know, lollygagging. But the nighttime I wake up, that's when we would go on our missions a lot. Yeah. So I think that's kind of stuck with me. Um, you know, that's still it's been my schedule ever since. Yeah. When you when you transitioned out of the Marines at that time, and, and I'm and I'm sure then is you just kind of like everybody else does, right? You bruise through the questions and, and you say, Yeah, I'm fine, I'm okay, get the check mark and, and get the fuck out and, and move on. Um, you know, but I, I what what was it so if if I'm a person and I'm watching and I'm I'm you and I'm going what you what you went through. What was it at that moment that made you decide that you needed to go get help or you needed to change what was going on in your life? What, what was that moment that you had that, that happened? Because everybody has that moment, right? I had that moment. Uh, guys on Veteran Trash Talk, you know, they'll talk about that moment. And, and I, as a Marine, and if there's other Marines watching, and I know there will be, you know, what was that moment or what, what happened to you to, to finally decide I got to change this cycle? I remember, I remember it. I was, um, it's probably about eight years later. Um, I mean, I, I, I knew I had PTSD at the moment, uh, when I was working at the cable job because my, I was, I'm divorced. I was in marriage therapy and the marriage therapist was a veteran's therapist, Mm. luckily. And she like, instead of the whole couples thing, she was so focused on me, like, you got to go see somebody for PTSD. I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. You know, I have before never helped in the military. So, um, I was traveling to California. I went by myself, which, you know, it's tough, but I went to do a competition. Um, I believe it was like 2016 ish. And uh, I just remember I lost really quick. And that nighttime, I was all by myself. I started drinking. Uh, 
which, you know, I'm not a drinker. I haven't drank in three years, but that's why I don't like to drink because I go into some bad places. Yeah. So I just remember I wasn't feeling, I wasn't thinking the best thoughts that one night walking around and some guy kind of noticed me not doing too well, or I must've been drunk. And I was, I, you know, I didn't even want to be alive at that point. I was just like, this sucks. Life kind of blows. I have nowhere to go. Like, you know, it, it started eating at me. Yeah. Um, and some former military guy who had a service dog saw me and he started talking to me, brought me, brought me to meet his dog, which I needed. It was a pit bull. Um, and he brought me to his car. He's like, look, you get a service dog when you go home. He just told me everything about service dogs, which I do have a service dog now, yeah. um, which helps tremendously. But he gave me a therapy info. And that's when I started seeing therapy in Illinois. And this was in California. Yeah. So if it wasn't for that guy seeing me, I don't even know why I ran into him. Um, it was very weird. Uh, he asked if I was a veteran. And maybe I had a military shirt on. I don't remember yeah. why he asked that. But he might have looked. He how somebody looks. Yeah, yeah. And he just knew. He knew. And he knew I wasn't doing good, that's for sure. Um, but that kind of like threw my ass for a loop. I'm like, damn, I need some help. <laughs> yeah. To uh I need to figure something out because I'm not headed because it's not getting better. Yeah. You know. I should be happier as life goes on, you know, but that was tough. That was the time. I, I know what it's, you know, it's like, you know, my, my brother got a funny feeling at work and he called and I didn't answer the phone. He rushed home. Of course I was unconscious on the couch. I mean, I got as close to succeeding as you can get without succeeding. And he was able to save my life. And, and uh, you know, I, and, and my biggest, concerned or what scares me the most about that night is I don't know what triggered me. I know I was feeling guilty. I know I was drinking about not finding anybody alive. And, and this was in 2002, uh, you know, and, and all that just all kind of came together. And it was kind of like you, you were walking down that, that path and had that guy not walked up to you or said something and, 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 you know, I don't know if you're a religious guy, but you know, I, I believe sometimes, you know, God intervenes at, at that moment. And, you know, he, he was, you know, he, you were meant to see him. Yeah. It's sad though, but until some people, until you get to that point, it's hard to go and ask for help, right? I never did. I was command directed. I was still in uniform. I was command directed to go to counseling. But what do you think I did in counseling? I fucking lied to that that therapist. I was damn good at it because yeah. all I wanted to do was get that check. Yeah, you know, and that was the complete wrong thing to do. Now, after my suicide attempt, I had a whole different th uh, idea about going back into therapy. Oh yeah, you know the hard thing with therapy, though, and I and I talk about this, and and you probably agree with me. It's hard to get a connection sometimes with therapists. And sometimes people try to stick with that one therapist instead of going and trying to find somebody else that maybe you can have that connection with. Absolutely. If you don't have that connection, it's hard, it's hard to get through the walls. Oh, yeah. I, I had a guy, a therapist, fall asleep on me many times. I just would start drifting off. And I'm like, the fuck? I, I didn't talk. To, I didn't tell the truth for years. Yeah. Even when I went to therapy, it took me 
the guy was like, I knew you had so much to say, but he's like, I just gave you like a year where you were just like, I'm fine. Like, it was just like, okay, blah, blah, blah. He was just, he knew it. I had to bring it out yeah. and say it. So I, once I finally did, I was like, okay. But yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like to talk about stuff. And I would just lie. Yeah. I'd be like, yeah, I'm fine. Cause yeah. they, you know, some of them, if they don't seem like they give a shit, I don't want to waste my time. Yeah. So and that's I have the hard part. Yeah. Is finding somebody that, that seems like they give a damn. Yeah. And, which and I did, go ahead. Which I did find. Yeah. Well, and, and I tell you, and you can, you probably relate to this, that moment where you finally open up and talk about something that's been weighing on you for a long time. Right. And I'm sure you have multiple stories or multiple issues that feels just like a big weight being lifted off your chest and it, it doesn't end there. You know, you still have to find things to deal with PTSD when something comes back in your mind. Right. And I, and people, I explain this to people all the time about PTSD. What is it like? And I tell them all the time, it's like the most vivid dream you've ever had in your life. And it comes back in a second. And it could just be the wind blowing a, a funny way, you know, smells bother me. It could be, a stick snapping or, or driving down the road and a rock hits the windshield of your car, you know, and it's, it's when those moments hit, it's when you have to have those different tools in your toolbox to deal with those emotions at that time. You know, it's just like, you know, I wrestled and, and you do jitsu, you know, it's just like getting your mind right before you step on that mat and before that thing. Cause if you're not, just like you said, in that day in, in California, your mind wasn't there. And that's why you lost quickly, right? And, and you were, uh, if your mind's not right, you're going to lose quickly. And, and yeah. so it's, you got to have those tools to kind of get your mind refocused and back in. And I think that's, you know, with what you do with uh, jujitsu and, and things like that, I think that's, you know, important to people uh, because it gives you an outlet, right? Whether you do competitions or not, or you just go to roll around on the mat to get your frustrations out of the day. It's all good. You know, it's, it's an outlet. And I think sometimes people get that. I did jujitsu for a while uh, just because my son was doing it, um, you know, just to kind of roll around and things like that. Uh, but I was never going to do a tournament or, or anything. I was, fuck, I'm 52 years old. I'm not going to do that. Uh, yeah. But I enjoyed just rolling around on the mat with him because that's what he was doing. And it just gave me an outlet for the day. Um, and sometimes I think people people forget that. Um you know, and so if 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 I'm a guy or I'm a, I'm a girl or whatever, and I, I come to your your facility, your dojo, your academy that you have there, and you have what two of them in Illinois now, two or three? You got, I don't, yeah, I, yeah, three of yeah. them. Yeah, three of them. I'm, I'm well. I'm moving to my third school. Third. I'm moving to my third school, so it's just my school. But we're going to our third school already, so we're moving again. Um, yeah, big, bigger, bigger school. Yeah, expanding. Yeah. 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 Um, awesome. Yeah, you hit on it, and it's it's uh, it's the outlet because when you're in jujitsu, it's so complex. You don't get to think about what's stressing you out. Yeah. You don't get to think about what happened an hour earlier, what's going to happen afterwards. You 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 can't because you have somebody trying to choke you unconscious. <laughs> Um, or break your arm, dislocate your Exactly. And and to me, the biggest thing is just making them feel comfortable if I know they have anxiety issues before anything. It's just making them feel comfortable, all the people there, so you're not a stranger. 
on the mat. Like you're so I, I try to make everybody feel as welcome as possible because I know how it feels. Yeah. Um and how it's hard to stay with something if you don't feel like you're in a family type environment. And I don't care if anybody competes. I don't compare if they do it just for exercise. Um, but the main thing is, is self-defense and then mental health. I, I believe every veteran should be doing some sort of uh, MMA, jiu-jitsu, boxing. You got to have a release or else you're just going to explode inside. And it's just going to be too late. Um, you know, it's been 15 years of doing this. And I couldn't imagine. I mean, if uh, during COVID, when I had to train at my house only, I was going to go like, the men, it was sneaking, but my demons were sneaking back yeah. towards me because it was such a depressing time for one. It reminded me of the military because we kind of had nothing. You know, that's how it was in Iraq where we didn't get to just go to a grocery store. We didn't get to uh, talk about toilet paper. We were happy to have toilet paper. Like it shows how, I, I, I don't know, spoiled everybody is, but at the same time, in the military, we just weren't spoiled. We saw the worst of the worst. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're going to have different mindsets too. Yeah. Um, and that's 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 a tough part of transitioning, just the mindset of what we've been through. And then we see what a lot of people over here complain about. Um, and it's just like, are you serious? You're going to be upset over something like that that doesn't even affect you. But I'll give you something to complain about. You should see what... Yeah. You know, but but people don't get it. And I'm not going to try to one-up people. It's not about that. I know what I've been through. Yeah. I know that I did good mm -hmm. regardless of whatever happened or, you know, what people's thoughts of war are. I know that I, I did good. Um, I know that I did my job. Yeah. And that's all I could uh, be happy for, you know. The government is always going to be the government, <laughs> you know, but I, we had to stick out for our friends and who we were with um, during yeah. those times. You know, that's why we joined the military. I, I did uh, 34 years in the military. Um, yeah. Wow. <laughs> I, I just, I can't imagine. I just talked to people about doing 20 years. I'm just like, I don't know how. It's just it's so hard. Yeah, it's, it, it. you know, of course I was a warrant officer, but I mean, it, it, yeah, it's, it's tough and it's hard. And and you know it's 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 for veterans out there and and for people who serve in the military currently serving you know we do that for the love of our country right and war is hell it, there's nothing glorified about it you'll see shit that no human is supposed to see in their lifetime and then how do you deal and talk about it right mm -hmm. i mean we recovered helicopters and i i try to keep the younger soldiers away from it and i would go and inventory and do whatever because i knew what was inside of it and I didn't, I wanted to protect him from that, right? Because I didn't want him to have, I know what PTSD was because uh, four years earlier, I tried to kill myself over it, you know? And so I tried to protect my soldiers as much as, as you can. You can't always do it, but, no, um, you know, and then when you bring back injuries from being deployed, it makes it even harder because then when you can't do the things you normally could do before, Ugh. it always brings it back, right? And I always say PTSD is like the best sniper in the world, right? Because it's in your mind. You can't get rid of your mind and it's going to lay back there. Just like you were saying with COVID, you were at home, you're isolated. And that, you know, just like a sniper, it just kind of sneaks its way back in yep. and it bounces on you. 
uh, at your weakest moment, not at your strongest moment. At your strongest moment, it doesn't bother you. You know, it's when you're it's when you're tired, or it's when you know suddenly your money flows different, or you have a car accident, or your kids are being stupid, or you know you're fighting with your wife, or whatever. That's it's going to sneak in when your mind's not there, or your mind's yeah. not there. Absolutely. And, you know, what do you do then? Well, you go to your academy and you roll around on the mat and you get your mind back right, right? Or, or whatever you do, whatever your outlet is. Absolutely. Uh, uh, I just, I couldn't imagine. I I always say jujitsu saved my life, and I think it has. And um, I don't know where I would be without it because lifting weights wasn't getting me anywhere. Yeah. That, that's, that's not the same. Yeah. Not at all. Like, you, uh, you got to be distracted. You got to be, and, and you got to have like a lot of us are anti-social or military. We don't want to be around people um, because like you said, triggers, anything could trigger you. Yeah. Car doors trigger me. If I don't see a car door shutting, it'll make me jump. And then I, I'm like, I get pissed off. I'm like, well, I'm not pissed off. Yeah. You know, or like you said, the wind blows or I get that smell at nighttime. I'm like, man, I'm in Iraq. And you just, yeah. Forget where the hell you're at. Yeah. And you're just, you got to come back to reality. So when I'm in the gym, I don't think about I'm in Iraq. Yeah. You know, I, I think about my job is to make my students happy, to make them mentally happy. Um, I have veterans, I have police, and the police, they deal with a lot of the same shit we deal with not worse because they're in longer too most of them yeah um and i hear the stories and it's it's uh, you know i've been hearing the police stories for over 15 years now chicago cops to to cops in elmhurst you know my wife she was you know she's navy she she lived in chicago for four years in great lakes okay yeah great lakes yeah but she lived um she lived 30 miles outside of Chicago. I forget what town, but her neighbor was a cop. And, uh, you know, we used to always sit outside and talk and everything. And I, I to be a policeman nowadays, I, I just, I, I, my heart goes out to them, uh, you know, and, and what these guys try and do every day. And, and I've had friends of mine that were police officers or highway patrolmen. And, you know, it, it's just like when you're deployed, you don't know if you're going to see the next day or not. No, because it could be over in a sec, half a second. Yeah. You yeah. just you don't know you're going to get blown up by a bomb that day. You don't know you're going to get shot at by some angry people. You know, you just don't know. And I know a few of my good friends, good buddies, just became cops, and I'm just man, they can't. You know, you, you can't do what you're supposed to do, um, and the cops are at such a disadvantage. Um, it's just, it's a shame seeing, seeing, and, and that's another thing that I would always, I would talk to my therapist about too, when COVID first happened is because we were home watching TV. So it was nothing but politics. And the more you watch about stuff happening in this country, especially when we fought for this country makes us, makes me sick to my stomach. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, it just it makes me. It, it's one of the things that I think makes me the angriest out of everything. Um, but God forbid, you know, then you offend somebody if you say the wrong thing. But that's how I always been. You know, I'm I'm straightforward. Um, 
it's it just it's hard to explain to people to see what we mean by how stupid this country has gotten in in a lot of areas and that is hard for me and that's why the gym we could combine everybody and not have to deal with what's going on outside let's 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 all be friends in here i don't care if you agree with me or don't agree with me let's we're there to train man like i don't give a damn about your politics we're training yeah you know don't let it ruin what you have going on yeah um but if you don't have the mind, same mindset as somebody, you're not gonna, you're not gonna have the same experiences. We've been through so much different than all these new kids that haven't seen war, yeah, um, haven't seen the military. Yeah, that's that's the first thing. Just enlisting. That's that's you know stressful enough. Yeah, imagine going to war with that. Yeah. Um, and I wish, I kind of wish everyone had to be in the military for two years after high school. I think so. I, I, I you know, I joined, well, I joined in 1987, a junior in high school uh, when I went to basic training. Uh, and I wow. retired last year, uh, August oh, 2021, I retired. Unbelievable. But, but you think about it. So all that time that I was in, you know, is we didn't have any wars, right? You only had the Vietnam vets that had the patch on their shoulder, right? Yeah. You know, and so we didn't know. But then, you know, so then what, what was it, 2000? So 2002. So, you know, I'd been in for a long time before the wars kicked off. So I'd already been in for 13, 14 years, you know. That's true. You know, what these, well, you're, you or others who joined during the war when they were going on, you guys go to basic training or AIT, then you're right over there. I, I went after my basic training. I uh, then I went to my training. I remember going to my duty station in Lejeune and the staff sergeant on deck or whatever. And and it's sad to say he actually killed himself um, about three years ago, and I didn't even know. No. He was just a staff sergeant. He was a staff sergeant when I was a PFC. Yeah, you know, when I was right my first day at the duty station, he deployed twice with us. Yeah. Um, but he's like, I hope you're ready, Marine. We're going to Iraq. I'm like, what? Can I unpack my shit? Wow. <laughs> so that was the reality. Um, I ended up not going two months later. I went seven months later. So he was just trying to scare me. But um, not scare me, just get me ready. Yeah. Because I did go right away. So we basically just trained to go to Iraq. That's all they were doing. Yeah, we didn't do anything else. And then we didn't do it. Well, and and then you know they 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 start harping as the war started winding down. You know, here's the thing that we have with officers in the military. Some of them, the younger officers only knew war. They didn't know how to operate in a garrison environment. That's why the military has some issues in, uh, now, right? And so you have these they're not kids anymore, but now they're majors, lieutenant colonels, and colonels who grew up in war. Yeah. And now they struggle in garrison because they don't know how to do it. Yeah, what do you do? Yeah, you got to work a regular job. Yeah, and then you got you know all these kids with mental health issues and all this other stuff going on that never even deployed. And then you know you know so it's it's you know the the army is doing a flip now, uh, you know, and they have they're struggling with it just like everybody's struggling with mental health and other things. It's 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 tough, but. I did a speaking event down at Camp Lejeune um, back in 2017. I went down there and I think I spoke to like 1,500 Marines. I did a couple of sessions down there. 
Um, but I had actually went to the hospital and visited three Marines and that had attempted suicide. Right. Um, and then this, the one guy had attempted twice. This was the second time. And I sat down and of course they're, they're trying to figure out, well, why is it? Cause I was in uniform. Why is this army guy coming in? They didn't know nothing about me. Yeah. And I walked in the hospital because the lady, my caretaker, when I was at the general had a, his aide take me around. And I said, Hey, is there anybody in the hospital that's attempted? And she says, yeah, we, we, we got three Marines. They, you know, and I said, well, can I go talk to them? And it took a day to get it clear for me to go in and talk to them. Yeah. I don't understand that none, but, and they allowed it. But these guys had no idea who I was. And this one guy, he was sitting there, man, he, his hands were just white. He's clenching them as we were talking. And then I started telling him about my road and my path and he just kind of relaxed. And then he just opened up the guy that attempted twice. And when I left there, one of the doctors said that, that I was the only one to ever connect with him, that he, he, and it goes back to having similar stories. You know, we, we veterans don't talk about things because we don't want to spend two hours explaining somebody why we had to do what we did. If you're telling me your story, you don't have to give me the backstory. I already know what you're fucking doing. Right. You know, and I'm not going to judge you because I've been there or if I wasn't there, I still understand it. You know, as a veteran, we all understand that anybody that served in the military, whether you've been to war or not, uh, you understand it and you get it. Uh, but but these people nowadays, you know, I tell my son all the time, and I, and I used to tell coworkers this, they get all pissed off over anything. I'm like, what are you mad about? Ain't nobody shooting at you. Ain't no bombs coming in. So what if you got to sit in fucking traffic for 30 minutes? I know. Chances I know. of going home are pretty damn good. Yeah. You lose perspective sometimes. And, and these, these, some of these weaker people, not weaker, but people with different views or whatever, and what they think bothers them, it, it just blows my mind. And it's frustrating, just like you were saying. People are bothered by the, the uh, they worry about if, if someone says something. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 uh, then social media, when you were talking about that, you know, I have an 18 year old and a seven year old, and I don't understand bullying on social media but i have to understand this i had to start doing speaking events i had to add this into my speaking events because i don't understand how somebody could say something online and it'll drive a kid to complete suicide but i gotta understand it because i have kids and they're living it and so it's like i tell my son i was like if somebody says something bad about you on 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 social media and you know the kid and he goes to your school go fucking talk to him yeah Go get in his face, because I guarantee you he ain't going to say it to you in your face. No, everybody wants to talk on the internet because they know you're not going to see the other person. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the worst like part about it. The other day, too many people run their mouth because they haven't been punched in the face. Mike Tyson, yeah. Yeah. I, I just see that meme everywhere, and it is, it is true. And you can't let – I mean, I've, I've been victim to this. You let people say stuff, and it affects you. but. Who are these people? They don't know me. They don't know anything about me other than what they see on my bio, you know, and there's not no point to waste your time because you're not going to explain to somebody or get them to see your point um, because they're, they're very weak minded people yeah. and they just they'll watch the news all day and just yeah. be like, that's what's going on. Yeah. That's, yeah. Like, yeah, that's exactly what's going on. I'm not going to go outside for two years, but I know that's what's going on. Holy, I got to listen to everybody. Everybody says on TV. Yeah. You know, and and there's so many labels and there's just so much bullshit going on. And, and that re- it really does piss me off. And it, 
we just knowing what we sacrificed for what for for these ignorant older people, these ignorant kids that are growing up, just anti uh, police, anti military. Uh, you know what the problem with that is? Oh, uh, it drives me sick. I just I'm trying to watch what I say. Socialism, we need communism. Well, you know what? They probably haven't left their four county area. And they have not a fucking clue what that means. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if you're a communist country and you're you're a billionaire, a big business, you don't care whether that country is communist, capitalist, or whatever, because it's not going to affect you. Yeah, you know, but it's going to affect all the other. Look at Venezuela. Venezuela is a perfect example. Venezuela was a very wealthy, well-to-do country. My wife's from Trinidad. And her mom, her aunt, not her mom, but her mom, her aunt used to talk about because it's eight miles away from Trinidad. They would go over there for the health care because it was so much better than their own country. Yeah. You know, and now yeah. it's, it's a crap hole over there. The hell hole. Money is nothing anymore. They don't have money. There's yeah. no money. Money's nothing. And I have uh, some students that came from communist uh, places as well. And they're like, man, people just don't <laughs> get it. They just don't get it. They don't know what I mean. I don't know how you don't get it because in, in every history class we're we're taught. Um, that's the problem, though. They de- they've dumbed down history too much. I think that's one good thing. COVID had brought to light for a lot of parents is they realize what they schools a were teaching and what they not. Yeah, teaching. I didn't know they were teaching any of that bullshit. They were teaching. Yeah, I, I did, unbelievable. I thought you should just teach the regular history. You teach yeah. us about. History, uh, just like when I was in school, we got all the horrible stuff, the wars, slavery, uh, Hitler, you know, those were the big ass things and all the wars. They don't need to be talking about anything else. They just need to tell us the facts of what we know, what the hell happened. I don't want to hear your views as a teacher. Yeah. It's not about your views. It's about what the hell happened is what happened in real life. Yeah. Um, and that's why a lot of these kids are coming out of school with all this hate or thinking that the country owes them something. Yeah. Country doesn't owe you shit. <laughs> doesn't owe you shit. Because if that was the case, then this country would be pretty damn good if we were all. And this country's great compared to um, pretty much any other country I'd want to live oh, in. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, but think about it. Look, you're, you're, you, 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 you were in the military. You got out. You run a successful dojo. You're on your third school. You didn't get that because somebody handed it to you. You got oh, that was, you work and sacrifice. You I had, had zero dollars, yeah. zero dollars. And, and like three, four years ago, like I tell you, I, like the suicide running the off. It was a good, only like five years ago. Yeah. I, I lost my job at the cable company. Cause I just, I lost my mind. I couldn't take it anymore. I going in people's homes and they get my, my PTSD so much worse. And again, I was hiding it. But when you go in some very bad neighborhoods and you see some bad abuse, it fucking brings me right back to, I don't even know what anything is anymore. What's normal. Yeah. I don't know what normal was. Yeah. Um, That's the hard thing is remember what normal is again. And people- uh, some, sometimes you don't realize it. I, I think people during the whole COVID thing still don't know what normal is. No. They're not strong minded people. They're not. And you have to be because in the military, you had to be. Yeah. 
you have to. You have to. You just, it's, I don't know. So it's, it, it's, it's shitty to see so many people. I know it's the majority of people are great people in this country. Yeah. It's just the loud ones are the minority of people. Yeah. Well, and, and that's what they're doing. Right? You even see that in military, right? You, you, oh, yeah. The like, bitch, the ones that bitch and cried and yeah, complain. I don't want to deploy. I'll go do this to get in trouble so I don't have to deploy. I'll go to the brig. Yeah. Shithead military people just like they're shithead people. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, um, every profession. Yeah. yeah. Every profession. You know, it's but, like I tell my son, you know, he was complaining about one of his teachers and I, and I told Junior, I said, you got to learn to deal with it because in life, you're going to have that. You're going to uh, have that supervisor. You're going to have that whomever. And you're going to have to learn how to deal and work with that person. And yep. I said, uh, yeah, sure. Dad can go talk to the school and, and lay into the teacher and blah, blah, blah. But son, you're 18 years old. It's time for you to figure that out. Now, if it would have got too serious, I obviously would have. Yeah. But I mean, it was just so, you know, he needed to go and man up and and go take care of that. And he went and did. And he's taking yeah. care of it, you know. But how many yeah. parents don't do that, right? You know, Parents aren't aren't like with yeah, them yeah. mentally, their kids. Yeah, you gotta be with your, not be. You gotta know. You gotta be in their lives. You know, because there's so many misdirection people out there, yeah. um, that just need to be pointed in the direction, or they don't want to talk either. Mm-hmm. And you hold everything in until you're eighteen, twenty years old. You're gonna go crazy. Yeah. Um. That's one good thing, I, you know, uh, and I, we talked about it because you and I talk on Instagram, usually late at night. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's my hours. Yeah. So. All yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, but, I, you know, the funny thing is, is I my whole family, we just naturally night owls. We just we naturally operate better at night. And that's just we're just geared that way. That's just how our bodies are. Right. So everybody's different. Right. But, you know, I brought up one good thing when you, you had pictures of your, your kids doing the um you know, coming to your academy. And, and it's so important because people always talk about, you know, I had a, a lady on uh, Linda a couple of podcasts ago and, you know, her daughter completed suicide and she's done some wonderful things since then. Yeah. Um, but, you know, her big thing is, 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 is kids learn how to survive. They're resilient because that's their mindset. That doesn't mean that you can keep dumping crap on them just like you said, you can't hold everything in. And then by the time you're 18, 20, you're going to lose your mind. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for a for Taekwondo, Jiu-Jitsu, what karate, whatever it is, soccer, sports in general, you know, these kids need to get out there and do that. And, find, and even if it's band or marching band or, or something, these kids need to find activities where they're social where they're doing something and where they need to work and, and accomplish and see something at the end. And, and you know, I, I just like Lloyd gets upset sometimes when he doesn't win. I'm like, well, suck it up and train harder, son. But, yeah. you know, Junior, he used to enter fishing tournaments. And there's one year he won, and the next year he didn't get a trophy, and he was upset by it. I'm like, well, fish more. You know, whatever. Yeah. You work harder. You know, that's yeah. the same with his uh, Taekwondo, with his, his black belts. You know, he didn't earn those by not working hard. Right. And so when those kids learn that, when they come to your studio, when they're training and they're rolling around and, you know, when you start jujitsu, you get your ass kicked. Right. Unless you have a wrestling background. Uh, yeah. It's just how it is. Don Bogino talks about that. And and these kids come in there, but but 
but as they come in, they, they, they come to your dojo, they don't know anything. And you probably see it, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, the longer they come, their confidence level increases as their skill level increases. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's it's crazy to, to see where some of them have gotten. I remember when they walked through the door, I'm like, oh, they're not going to make it. Or like just thinking to myself, like, oh, they're not going to last. And now they're with me four years. Yeah. You know, and then I have the students that I'm like, oh, these guys are going to be with me forever. They're awesome. No, nope. And they're gone. <laughs> um, and that's mentality and ego. A lot of that's ego mentality. And, and the kids, like the kid, it's so damn important for kids. Like you said, to socialize them. Oh my, I couldn't imagine, you know, you see these school shooters and what are, what are the things, uh, you know, um, that, that's, that happens to it is, is they, you know, they lose track of everything. Yeah. Um, you know the, the 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 kids need to be social. That a lot of them they don't have the, the ones that commit those horrible things. They don't have a a family. They don't have socialization. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I, that's why jujitsu and stuff is so needed. Like this. Yeah. So it's, good. jujitsu is tough. It's hard. You know, yeah. stuff. It's hard. Uh, you know, but also if it, like you said, it, it helps build mental toughness and, and, you know, everybody needs to have their mental toughness, no matter what you do, whether in the military, the civilian life or, or whatever you do in life, you, you just need to have that, that mentality. Uh, you know, I used to tell Junior when he started wrestling and this was my thing. When you step inside that circle, that Matt, you're in my world. Yep. You came to me because wrestling, just like jujitsu, it's one on one. I can train with the team and we can do this. And they say it's a team sport. Well, it begins and ends when you walk inside that circle because oh, yeah. it's all on me. And did I do hard enough work and train hard enough in order to beat that guy? Because we're at the same skill level. You know, most of the time you're fighting the same skill level guy. And so how are you going to beat that person? You know, how are you going to do that one move or that or that other move? Or if he's going to do that, you got to think six moves ahead. You know, if he's going to do this, then you have to do that. And, and yep. you know, you only do that by training. Yeah, yeah. it's it's chess. And then it's just you got to you got to add your training to your schedule. Like I was saying earlier, um, parents got to got to bring their kids in. They got to sometimes you got to force them, kick them in the ass the first few times when they're younger. Um, because it's so important. I, I will not let my kids be a victim. Yeah. To. to stupid violence um you know and and yeah the, the socialization the just the camaraderie just just learning how to work hard and sweat yeah and put in the work that's gonna make the kids understand like when you get older you got to put in hard work yeah to get stuff that you want like nothing is should be given to you yeah um, I think too, sometimes I think, you know, parents make their kids' lives easier because they didn't want their life like their, theirs, right? So true, my kid's life is easier than when it was when I grew up, but, but that's because we're poor. And, and when I was growing up, we were poor, but I, we never were hungry and stuff because we lived off the land. Yeah. Right? But I still teach my kids how to garden. I still hunt and I still teach them those skills, you know, just so they have them in case they ever need them. And yeah. there's nothing wrong with learning life skills. These kids, that's what they don't have nowadays. They don't learn life skills. They don't learn how to balance a checkbook. 
They don't learn how to do finances. They don't learn how to, you know, unless they get it from home, they don't learn how to cook for themselves. They don't learn life skills when they leave school and they go out on their own, especially if they're not getting it from home. No. So, you know, if they come to your academy and, and, and doing jujitsu and other things, they're learning a life skill. Whether they think it or not, they're learning life skills because they're they're learning moves, they're learning to get different belts, but also they're listening to stories of others, you know, as you go there, because you become a big family after a while. Yeah. Oh, then and, and that's what it's about. It's yeah. it's the family. Um that's what it's about. You gotta feel welcomed. Yeah. You got to know you belong to something. Yeah. You know, Uh, I was a personal trainer for a lot of years in a gym. And, you know, when the people would first come in, the first thing I did with the ladies, I would take them to the cardio room and introduce them to all the ladies in the cardio room. Right. And why did I do that? Well, because I knew for women, it had to become a social aspect. Yeah. For them to just to keep coming into the gym. Yeah. And for the men, I had to make sure they didn't work themselves too hard because if you haven't worked out for a while, you can't pick up where you was, you know, five years ago or six years ago in high school. And and so they're like, well, they're like, oh, well, I need to do this and I need to do that. I said, just come to the gym 30 minutes a day. Give that yeah. me three three times a week for the first month and then we'll go from there. Right. You know, because you can't if you jump in, you do too much, you're going to get too sore and then it's going to take you five days to recover and you're not going to go back to the gym. That's exactly what happens. Um, they overdo it. They overwork themselves. They train six days a week because they love it, but they don't understand it's the long haul. Everyone wants a shortcut. Yes. And that's the worst part about instructors. I see people just falling off and you're just like, why? And you're just like, because you know, like these people are struggling with life too. They have a lot of tough stuff and they're like, well, they're going to make it worse by getting rid of jujitsu or whatever their sport was especially if you're in it for years and you just drop out yeah you're for one i mean uh, that uh, i think you're weak-minded because it takes a lot yeah it takes a lot to force yourself to go to the damn gym and better yourself mm-hmm. um or to make change at all right if you're if you're change therapy it's hard to make that change you you i've been down that road you've been down that road and it's yep. it's a hard ugly road and PTSD, what we, we talked about this, it never goes away. It, it, it'll, nope. it'll never go away. You just have to learn how to deal with it and deal with it in a positive and, and, and meaningful manner. You know, so it's, it's very important. Yeah. You got to do what gets you through every day. And, you know, I, I do my best to help people out. That's what I try to do with my job. I try to help. And I know I've helped so many people. Um, but then some people just don't give it that chance, you know, and yeah, not everyone's going to have the same drive True. as people. Um, I think in the military, we have so many more goals because we have to be fixated on something. So I don't have to sit there and have my PTSD just yeah. kill my brain apart. Because um, I'll do that. If I'm not doing anything, I need to stay busy. Yeah, it still sneaks up on me. Uh, it's always going to sneak up. Yeah, it might on me. You know, even uh, with going out and doing speaking events, you know, because I don't always talk. I don't talk about the best parts of my life. I mean, I do, but I don't. But after a while, I, I have to stop them because it wears yeah. on you mentally. After a while, you just I have to take a break. Oh yeah, yeah. And, uh, um, I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up here, Anthony. Um, 
if somebody's watching the program, watching this podcast, what would be your advice to them? Um, if they were you at that moment in, in California, um, what would be your advice to them? If a fellow Marine or a fellow veteran, if they're not in a good place, you gotta, you gotta go in the moment. You gotta try to picture yourself in the moment and not project like what's going on. Um, you got to understand that, you know, if they deployed or if they didn't deploy, they have PTSD, whatever the reason is that every day that we're able to breathe, we should be happy. Um, doesn't mean that not happy, like, you know, rainbows and all that stuff. Everything's all perfect and dandy, but, but for us to be able to talk about this still, you know, two of both of us might've not even been here to have this conversation. And, uh, that's what you gotta be kind of, I think about, like, I think about all my hard times. So getting past them, it's like, you gotta enjoy life now. You gotta, shit's gonna happen. Like you gotta be stressed out and stuff like that, but you still gotta understand you're still breathing. Uh, I'm still able to do physical activity because it could be much worse, you know, and that's, Get help. Don't shy away from it and, and get your ass to a, a gym where you put physical stuff into it three, four, five days a week because that's just going to change your life. It really will. Hey, um, Mental Health Warriors, I want to thank you for tuning in. Uh, I want to thank Anthony for his time. Uh, I want to thank him for his service uh, in the Marines. Uh, he's a veteran just like we all are. Uh, and he brings up some really great points. If, if you're if you're better not there and you're suffering right now or you're in the service, please pick up the phone and, and call. Uh, you know, we had the crisis line that's always showing up there on my podcast and everything. But, you know, I just want to say this. If you don't think you're important, you're important to somebody and they love you and they want you here tomorrow and just give them that chance to, to help you. Uh, so with that, Mental Health Warriors, you take care out there and have a great week. We'll talk to you later.